Well, the meditation that I'm going to give it to you um, in, uh, this night is um, on the mercy of God. We talked about um, sin, hell, and uh, also, you know, the, so I mean, in orders as a Jew, like uh, to lift your spirits, we're going to talk to you about the compassion and mercy of God. So it's important now to meditate and reflect how God looks on humanity. Uh, St. Ignatius in his, uh, his uh, meditations, he uh, talks about how God looks upon humanity. Um, God's, uh, God's gaze on sinners is one of infinite compassion and mercy. So we can just try and visualize from going on a drone and from above looking down on a city. But here in America, we have like, you know, so many different cities. But uh, for this particular, we say meditation, well, we can look down maybe on Mexico City because Mexico City is a densely populated city. It's also like, you know, a lot of variety. You have like people who are immensely rich. You also have people who are very, very poor in extreme poverty. So you can just like, you know, visualize and see how like, you know, there are people from all walks of life, like rich, poor, organizing their day. You have people um, uh, experiencing, they're having different experiences. You have like people who are well off, who are um, in their houses working. Some people are celebrating, they're joyful, celebrating anniversaries, birthdays, um, uh, many different, we'd say, uh, things. Uh, then you have like people who are suffering, suffering uh, physical pains, um, uh, conflicts, violence, abuse. Then you have other people like, you know, who are, uh, who are uh, in, um, in a more tranquil environment. They have like experienced peace, serenity, security. People who are engaging in charitable works helping the poor. People who are like in medicine and uh, nurses in hospitals who are like saving lives, who are, let's say, uh, concerned about other people. People who are like, you know, feeding uh, poor children, um, uh, children on the street or homeless people. Um, people who are, uh, who are needy. Then you have other people plotting crime violence motivated by crime by greed you have like you know drug warrants you have uh, people who are like you know we say organizing crime um, and uh, then you have all of these uh, you can imagine like you know say all these people like you know uh, young people children adults elderly people all these different experiences joyful you have people like who are in hospitals who are dying. You have like, you know, so many, uh, such a huge variety of experiences. All of these, uh, uh, these people uh, are as children of God. Uh, God, when he looks on this, uh, on humanity, even on evildoers, like his, his gaze on humanity is of infinite compassion and mercy. Because he's saying like, you know, these are my children. I love them. I want to bring them all to eternal life in heaven. So Jesus' uh, desire of salvation is for everyone. 
including like those who are like you know plotting crimes, those who are violent, those who are we say murderers or you know who have like all sorts of sorts of uh, sins. We're we're changing the scene now to another scene, and I'm going to make an application, like you know using the first scene. Some of you who will remember, like in the year 1988, uh, there was a very severe um, famine in uh, Ethiopia. And uh, as a result of this famine, they came out on the television screens um, uh, images that were really harrowing of uh, young children, adults, uh, uh, women, children, women, men and women, elderly people who were literally skin and bone like um, on starving in harrowing conditions. You had like, you know, children like taking up the mud in order to to feed themselves. Uh, flies around their eyes, children crying with swollen stomachs, um, malnourished and um, uh, really distressing, uh, really very, very distressing scenes. So when one sees scenes like that of a huge multitude, not just one or two, but like, you know, multitude of people like that in these conditions are starving. Uh, what it provokes uh, um, in, the, uh, in the human heart is automatically a, a situation of compassion and pity. You know, if one would have to be really like, you know, very, very cold hearted, like, you know, not to be moved by such scenes because you know, they're, uh, you know, they're part of humanity, they're human beings, they're children of God. And um, when you see like such a, a distressing situation, uh, it provokes uh, compassion. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, it, it's like, you know, it's like a dagger in the heart, so to speak. Um, when you when you see the, the, all, all of those uh, the, uh, those scenes. So some of you like who remember those scenes with like, you know, will recall like, you know, those moments when um, it became public uh, of the famine that struck uh, Ethiopia. And as a result, there was a huge outpouring of um, generosity by uh, different people who organize events. Uh, there was a, a, a big concert in London was called Live Aid in order to raise funds for the uh, to alleviate the famine and the poverty there in Ethiopia. So um, why do I talk about that uh, particular scene? Because it's like um, in some way you, you can say that when God looks on humanity, um, he is profoundly moved by the evil, sin, and vices that cause terrible sufferings. It's almost like, you know, if we look on that situation of the famine, you see like, you know, such an immensity of suffering. Um, he, uh, when God looks on humanity, he sees like something similar, but um, just more uh, in, in a different uh, aspect, it's like it's more profound. So God looks uh, with compassion on all humanity with a tremendous desire uh, to heal, nourish, restore, and protect humanity from the evil one. So Jesus respects our freedom. Uh, the, uh, the automatic like uh, reaction that one would have on seeing like starving children in that situation in Ethiopia would be like, you know, if only I could help them. 
if only I could like, you know, pass through the television screen and like, you know, give them a piece of bread. Yeah, that's all impossible. Yeah. So, I mean, in the same situation, like, you know, Jesus desires to like, you know, heal, restore and protect humanity because uh, as human, uh, um, human beings, we are subject to temptations. We are subject to um, the, the snares and the deceits of the evil one. Evil exists. Um, the devil is constantly looking for an opportunity in order to enter the human heart. The objective of um, the uh, of the of Satan is to little by little um, sow uh, sow seeds in the human heart of coldness, on indifference, rebellion. That little by little will, will shoot up as a weed and suffocate um, love and uh, charity and virtue. In order to uh, to uh, in order for the human heart to to go completely cold and cultivate a hatred and rebellion towards God and towards other people, and we're not talking about we say just like people who are like you know bad because I mean in uh, I mean in the sense of like being violent or wicked, but I mean in the, uh, in the Catholic world as Christians, um, uh, unfortunately, because of uh, lukewarmness, uh, that is one of the the greatest like uh, threats that we have as uh, as uh, as Christians. We, uh, the enemy, uh, Satan, can sow that indifference so much that we become just lifeless. That love doesn't triumph. What triumphs in the human heart is vice and sin. And so that that's a great tragedy, because uh, this is in the the book of the Apocalypse. I can't remember exactly the verse, but like you know, it uh, Jesus, like uh, the Lord says, you know, as you're neither hot nor cold, I am on the point of spitting you out of my mouth. So the sins of indifference, of lukewarmness, is very, very grave. It tears at the heart of Jesus. And so we have to reflect on that situation. Uh, Jesus has moved with a tremendous compassion and mercy to save us because he realizes that humanity uh, very often is completely blinded by vice. It's like, you know, if you go... Um, uh, you know, to a mountainous area, you have low cloud, you know, thick fog. Uh, if you're driving, it becomes like increasingly difficult in order to see where you're driving, like where the road is. I'm on the, am I on the right side of the road? Uh, it, it, it requires a lot of effort to do that. In the spiritual life, um, the same thing happens. The evil one is trying to like bring down a fog on humanity, in our families, uh, in our personal lives, in order to seduce us into a sin. Because when one commits sin and one, commi one commits repeatedly uh, grave sins, um, it destroys charity. And one is like in the fog. One. Um, is like blinded and as a result yeah there's no virtue can flourish so we have to uh, 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 respond to the mercy of god 
What is the role of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the history of salvation? Because we can think like Our Lady, like accompanied Jesus throughout his life. She had the harrowing experience of uh, witnessing um, the torture and the cruel death of her son on the cross. Um, that experience is it's almost certain that she never recovered from that experience. Um, but she's now in heaven, she's glorious in heaven, uh, but her role as mother of God and as our mother is to accompany uh, all of us and to protect us uh, and to save, uh, to, uh, to help us on the road to salvation because she is united to her son in the salvation of humanity. Many people like, you know, sin and offend God gravely, and they have absolutely no consideration for God. They believe that God doesn't exist. The most important thing is that, you know, that um, is uh, to have a good time here on this earth and like, you know, to run after the worldly pleasures the riches, greed, gluttony, vice of all types. Uh, uh, and so like the, the situation of humanity right now is very, very urgent because uh, there are many, many souls on a situation of a perdition. They're on the way to hell. So I mean, Our Lady uh, desires to save uh, and she is like, her role is intercessor before the throne of God. She intercedes in order to, so that humanity may be saved, in order that hearts of, of uh, hearts that are uh, completely frozen and um, cold and indifferent to God can experience the power of conversion, can return to God's grace and have the possibility of uh, entering into heaven. There are many stories, I'm sure you know, of like different people who have had the big conversions. You have the uh, the story of uh, Dr. Nathanson, who um, like he um, died in the 1990s, I think. Uh, but he like you know gave his testimony about how he was um, he worked as an uh, uh, an abortionist. He was an abortion doctor. He was he admitted publicly that he was responsible for the death of uh, 70, um, 75,000 um, uh, children, innocent lives. 5,000 uh, 5, uh, abortions he performed himself personally. And one could say like, you know, well, I mean, he deserves hell. But that attitude is not Catholic. It's not Christian because it's not love. God is love. God is infinite compassion. And you can re re recall that, like, you know, even the people who was the, the most evil people that walk the earth, that God is both is like is continually seeking an opportunity to for those people to return into his grace, into his friendship, because he doesn't want them to be condemned. He wants them to be saved. And if they are in grave sin, for example, and like, you know, somebody dies, but repents at the last moment. I mean, that's sufficient so that they can uh, be saved. Well, they probably have to pass time uh, in purgatory, but at least, you know, that, uh, that they can at least open their hearts to receive, to say, I'm sorry, God, for everything that I've done. I repent for my sins. 
You have also the example of Jesus and the divine mercy. Yeah, you all know the story of like, you know, how Jesus uh, uh, revealed himself, appeared to a Polish nun uh, in the 1930s. And uh, he asked for an image to be painted um, with the, the words underneath, Jesus, I trust in you. And he, that revelation is not just for, for the, the Polish sister, Sister Faustina. It's a, a message that he commanded her to, um, to um, spread throughout the whole world. So when we think of like, you know, humanity, we think of also chastisement, mercy, justice, all of these things. Another example that could help you as well is when we think of a family, you have parents and you have the children. The children need to be educated, they need to be formed. If children are not educated, if they're not, uh, if they're not uh, told between right and wrong, and like, you know, that about prayer and goodness and respect and all these values, uh, little by little, it's possible that for a young child to enter into an attitude of being tyrannical and also rebellious. Because, I mean, one can say like, you know, this little child is really cute, like, you know, it's great. But like, you know, if that child, like, you know, uh, the children have uh, also, um, that capacity to manipulate their parents. For example, they can say like, you know, mommy, 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 uh, please, uh, uh, you know, buy me such and such a thing. If they don't get it, if mommy says no, they start like, you know, we say, um, uh, crying and like, you know, there's uproar and like, you know, they, 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 they work on the, uh, you know, on the on the on the feelings and the emotions of of others, and so uh, when we think of this particular situation, you can think like of the mother of how uh, well both of the parents, but particularly the mother. You can think like you know, say the mother is always concerned on the on the, and is on the outlook of her children, because if you have a small little toddler in the house there has to be like a certain sense of uh, security and protection for the child. Because there's many dangers. I mean, child can wander out onto the street and get killed. There can be dangers of electricity, of climbing up on things, on the stairs, there's so many things. So a mother like, you know, automatically thinks like, you know, I have to safeguard and protect my, um, my little uh, ch uh, child. And so there's like, you know, different measures, like, you know, there's a little a gate maybe at the top of the stairs so that uh, the, the child is, is uh, like uh, would be unable to run down the stairs, or and also like you know electricity and so on, and so it's the same as well when you talk about we say um, when a mother has that feeling that her children are protected, they're responding, they're obedient. It causes a joy, it causes um, a great peace. There's harmony in the family as a result of, of uh, the response of the, of, of the child. And in that situation, uh, we reflect also our own personal lives. We are also children under the protection of Our Lady. Our Lady desires, she, uh, she uh, seeks us, she protects us, she guides us, she consoles us. And we, as ch her children, we have to 
uh, will respond to her maternal embrace or her maternal uh, protection. And when we do that, we live, we experience uh, that peace, that love, that joy uh, that uh, comes from the mother uh, united to our son, Jesus Christ. So um, God is mercy and justice combined. Yeah, God is infinite compassion. Unfortunately today, we have this mentality where they over um, like highlight uh, that Jesus is merciful. But Jesus also like justice. Because if you say like, you know, Jesus is merciful, Jesus is loving and that is true. But, uh, you know, if we overly repeat that, it can lead us to a false sense of mercy and justice. And this is like, you know, if Jesus is going to forgive me, if he's merciful and loving always, yeah, it means, well, I can do what I like. If I want to go out and have a party, get drunk, well, God, Jesus is going to forgive me. And why not? So, I mean, we have to be very conscious as well, like, you know, um, Jesus is merciful, he's compassionate, but he also has a justice. He desires us and he demands of us certain things, above all changes uh, in our attitudes towards others. We have to uh, practice um, mercy and compassion um, with those around us, in our own families and also in our uh, work and uh, our neighbours, all those uh, because there's a story, a nice, simple, very simple story um, that has a nice message in it. Uh, it goes like the, the following. You have like a, a, a mother in a house and like, you know, she receives a phone call. Who's on the other end of the line? It's Jesus himself. And Jesus says like, you know, hello, uh, we'll, call the, we'll call the mom Jane, for example. I don't know if there's any Jane here, but yeah, well, Jane, well, <laughs> okay, it can be any name. We'll say, Jane, okay, I, um, it's not applied to you, Jane, but it's, it's just, like, I'm just inventing a name. So uh, Jesus says, like, you know, Jane, I'm going to come, you know, to, you know, I'm going to come tonight uh, at 8 o'clock uh, to your house, yeah. And so um, uh, Jane, like, begins to... Uh, get all excited, yeah, prepare like, you know, all the uh, all the things in the house and yeah, and get everything ready, the meal and so on, yeah. And so um, what happens is like, you know, we say at eight o'clock, yeah, there's a, the doorbell rings, yeah, and Jane goes out, she looks at, at and it's, um, there's a poor beggar there and he's asking like, you know, for um, something, uh, uh, bread to eat. And so, like, you know, the, James says, like, no, I can't receive you. Go away because, yeah, Jesus is coming. He's coming soon, and I have to get things ready. So the beggar goes. Then later on, yeah, but, yeah, there's another, after five minutes, there's another, like, you know, the, the, the doorbell rings again. It's like the, the, the son, the little boy enters, yeah, all happy, comes in, like, you know, uh, from school, and he says, yeah, mommy, uh, can you help me with my homework? I need to, like, you know, get uh, things done. He says, please don't disturb me now because, you know, Jesus is coming and we have, like, you know, and we have to forget about the, the homework. And so there's another one, like, you know, where a neighbor comes after about uh, 50, uh, 10 or 15 minutes, like, and the neighbor rings and, like, you know, uh, she 
uh, she she says like the neighbor is also like expecting some visitors and she says like you know please can you give me some like flour because I'm making a cake I don't have enough flour and if you like you know can you please uh, give me some flour in order that I can make this cake and so um, yeah she says I'm sorry I can't do it I'm very very busy and like you know Jesus is coming and so on so later on like you know time passes the results are like you know there's no sign of Jesus She's kind of getting worried. I mean, she's looking at the watch, like it's training like nine o'clock and, and uh, quarter past nine. So after a while, like, you know, the, the phone rings and Jesus uh, is on the line. And this James says like, you know, um, hello, Jesus. He says, well, I'm waiting here. I was wondering when you, uh, when are you coming? And Jesus said with uh, sadness, he says, I called three times but you didn't respond to me, yeah? Uh, what's the message of that? It means that like, you know, sometimes uh, we overlook certain, uh, uh, certain, uh, we'd say, uh, people who are close to us, we sometimes like, you know, we don't have that uh, compassion or mercy or that love that we ought to practice, yeah? Can be situations with brothers and sisters, yeah, that they're living, we say, with their families and other side, uh, like near us, and that there's, there's conflicts or whatever, um, you know. And uh, sometimes we can like enter into like harsh judgments or negativity or criticisms or gossip about neighbors or uh, whoever, and that uh, that's not good. We have to like you know, we have to be humble. We have to accept our limitations. We're all limited. But none of you are perfect. I'm not perfect either. And so we have to, like, you know, we say, make that effort to be humble, recognize our faults, uh, always um, forget offenses. If we've been offended, we've all been offended. It's important, like, you know, not to go out uh, to, to store resentment and bitterness in the heart because God can't enter into a heart that's like embittered and that's, uh, that's close to his, uh, his mercy and love. So, I mean, that's basically a little story, like just as, as Jesus, like, you know, in his, uh, all the gospels are filled with stories. I mean, like stories are very good as well, like you to remember and, you know, to apply it to your own life. <clears throat> Just to finish up now, uh, talking on God's mercy, I'm going to read to you a very short passage um, that's in Mark 10, 46 to 52. If you have the Bible there, you can open it. But uh, if not, you can just uh, listen. Uh, it's uh, basically um, how Jesus cures the blind man from Jericho. And it goes like this. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he kept calling out all the more. Son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, get up, he is calling you. 
he threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see. Jesus told him, Go your way, your faith has saved you. Immediately he received a sight and followed him on the way. That's the passage. It's like almost curious, we can ask ourselves, like, you know, Jesus asked the blind man, like, you know, um, what do you want me to do for you? It's almost like, you know, is it not obvious, like, you know, <laughs> that I'm blind? <laughs> you know, but it's curious that God, like, asked that question. Like, Jesus is very precise. You know, what do you want me to do for you? We're going to have, like, our adoration, like, you know, uh, I think um, during, during all... Uh, right throughout night. Is that right, Dolores? We're having the adoration here tonight, yeah. And so, um, you know, uh, it, it's a perfect opportunity to be alone with the Lord and also to converse with him. And you can also, like, you know, make that question, Lord, what do you want me to do? Um, when uh, The Lord will ask you that question. But you can also, like, make that question, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? Okay, so uh, what's uh, interesting about this, I can, like, um, I don't want to go, like, on too much, but, like, you know, you can just reflect on this um, blind man's attitude because um, the Lord helps those who help themselves. I had a teacher in high school in Ireland, and he, like, had a, this, like, a play of words when it came to close to exams. And it was like, you know, kind of funny way. But he says, like, you know, God helps those who helps themselves. And God help those who don't. Yeah. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> and so um, this uh, blind man, Bartimaeus, has character. Uh, as a beggar, he's sharp enough to realize that it's not good business to annoy people he needed to beg from. Yet, when Jesus passes nearby, he refuses to be silent. Even when he's uh, rebuked by his, co uh, his uh, customers. Because, I mean, they're, there, they're telling him literally to, to shut up, yeah, like to be quiet. He's driven by the certainty that Jesus can change his lot in life. Nobody, therefore, is going to keep Bartimaeus from his goal of meeting Christ. If we close our eyes, you know, we can't see anything. Just imagine like, you know, a blind man has like, uh, has, is completely dependent on other people. It's a terrible, let's say, reality for somebody who has no possibility to see. Jesus, help me. A Pope Emeritus uh, Benedict encourages us to look at the merciful heart of the Lord. He says, in our difficulties, problems, and temptations, we must not simply engage in theoretical reflection, but we must react positively, invoking the Lord, maintaining a lively, a living contact with the Lord. And then he talks about the gift of faith. The faith of the blind uh, beggar was uh, what allowed 
uh, Christ Curum. Faith is a gift. The gift must be sought in humble and contrite uh, and constant prayer. And later with the conversation with the Lord, Jesus loves a grateful heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You have given me so many graces and special favors in my life, beginning with the amazing gift of the faith. From the heart, I thank you for so much love. And that's the, the end of the meditation. So you can just like, you know, think on that if you want to read it. As I said, it's in Mark 10, 46 to 52. Um, think about that. And you can also imagine yourselves uh, in the place of the beggar. You can be there like kneeling down. Yeah, can't see anything. But Jesus is passing by. Jesus is here. Yeah, and you can imagine like, you know, calling out to Jesus, invoking him. And well, well, all of us, like, you know, can see. Physically, we can see, yeah. But like interiorly, sometimes there are like, you know, that those uh, obscurities that like inhibit uh, um, a better vision of what we ought to be doing or how we need to correct ourselves or how we can please Jesus. And that's what we need to get at, yeah. That's tough going, yeah. So it's important, like, you know, to ask our Lord, you know, that he'll give you that strength to remove uh, any, we say, that um, fog that may be there in your lives in order to love, serve, be humble, be forgiving and charitable too, because that's the work of God. That is like, you know, what we have to do. That's what's going to like, you know, lead us uh, in a growing and maturing in our faith with what end what is the object the, the, the goal of all this is to enter at the end of our lives in the glory of heaven tomorrow I'll talk to you more about that yeah but for the moment it's like you know to remain focused on the compassion and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ here before us in the blessed sacrament in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.